Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that brings together three well-known friends to tackle three thought-provoking questions over three bottles of wine. And since launching back at the beginning of the year, we've brought you ten episodes featuring this wonderful lot. Well, darling, I, I couldn't really sing. I mean, I can't even really speak properly, can I? Yeah. <laughs> Let's be fair. And what do yeah. we do? We make soup. We make soup. That's yeah, she goes, I can't hold me more, so I sing like a bird. Everyone knew. <laughs> And fell down this stair. <laughs> it was like EastEnders, Which literally. Everybody kind of. Oh, it's just Nicola falling down the stair. <laughs> she will play my mind like a fiddle. Like she will play me and have me singing to her tune without me realising she's. Like, yes, Tam. Picante della casa. Oh, that would be the name of the retirement home. <laughs> yes. Picante yes. della casa. Come right in. As we hurtle towards the end of Series 1, and fear not, Series 2 starts next week, uh, we're going to do an appreciation tour with this episode. Uh, A little travel through the tears, the laughter, the highs, the lows, plus your messages, and we're going to be looking at the top three lessons from the past three months featuring many of our guests. Plus, keep listening for a sneak preview of Season 2. We kick off with a Mother's Day special next week featuring everyone's favourite TV mum, Debbie Bright from TOWIE, with two of her lovely daughters, Lydia and Georgia Bright. So, what are the top three lessons I've learnt whilst interviewing some of my nearest and dearest and closest friends? What's really blown my mind about doing this podcast is that certainly the first 10 episodes have been an assembly of my friends, people that I thought I knew 
probably better than some members of my family. And yet I've learned so much about them, mainly through our conversations that have ended up in the heartland of mental health, which is a huge topic that affects all of us. And it's something that we found ourselves talking about, not deliberately, but just because it's stitched through so much of our daily lives and existence and our daily conversation. Which, gauging by the listener feedback we've had from you with posts on Twitter and Instagram and emails, has really, really resonated with you and been really helpful to some of you. So I'm going to kick off with TV presenter Lucy Alexander. You might remember that she came on the show with two of her mates from drama school, Tamsin Outhwaite and Louis Spence. And Louis spoke really, really articulately about his struggles, daily struggles with anxiety. So what have you learnt from that for you? Well, I've learned that, like I say, my anxiety became worse after it, and I've, I'd never taken medication. I'd always wanted to fight it, but then two years ago, I did start to take medication for my anxiety. Like, was it an antidepressant? It was do a, you think it's hereditary? Do you think that? Well, do yeah, you I believe? Hold on, was it an antidepressant? It was for anxiety, but it wasn't antidepressant because the anxiety what is it tablet is sertraline. Sertraline. Sertraline, yeah. And how many milligrams? Fifty milligrams a day. And did it help, yeah. Louis? Well, it did, and I, I. I yeah, it, it did help me and I stopped. And then after a year and a half, I stopped because I thought, you know, I, I feel I want to be strong again. And then after six months, I, I feel as though now it's like if I've got diabetes, you'd have insulin. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I do feel as though there's an imbalance in my brain You or are something. totally 100% right. Yeah. yeah. And I wish more people could be as, as open in their thinking yeah. of that. I don't create enough um, yeah. estrogen, so I take... a. Uh, a hormone replacement, which is actually yeah. uh, an antidepressant, and I have done for the last seven years. Without it, I'm a really, yeah. really unhappy person. Yeah. With it, I'm. I feel like me. Yeah. yeah. And if it makes, if it balances your books, yeah, then great. Well, and how is your anxiety now? You're, you're you're taking medication. Does it? Uh, do you feel like you're on top of it, rather it's on top of you? No, I feel as though. I mean, I feel as though I'm on. I I am on top of it. Like I say, mine Good. was physical anxiety and really bad palpitations mm. and crowds and planes and trains. Anything that was, you know, panic so, attacks. Yeah, so I mean, they're, they're just like the worst, say, aren't they? Yeah. We've, all, we've all had that, I haven't oh, we? God, yeah. Have you had that, Kate? One hundred percent. You had panic and, attacks. And, and, and you know, recently I had one. A long time ago. Yeah. I had one for the first I've time had last one. year in almost twenty years. Yeah, yeah. me too. And recently, it terrified me. Yeah. yeah. It terrifies me. It's like we're getting back in that circle. And I yeah, forgot. You don't want to get inv- You don't yeah. want to yeah. be part of that because it just owns it's, you. It's walking and... through a door you never wanted to yeah. open. And oh, I remember no. throwing the window open in my bedroom, gasping for air, yeah. and it not helping. Yeah. And yeah. then that fear hits. Yeah. It's like, like a food poisoning it? creeps it? up your What's body. And, and then I hear you. from downstairs, Mom, Mom, I need a poo. <laughs> and you go, I can't, I can't give in to this. I've, he's got to have a poo. I've got to be his mum. And, and you're having this, this yeah. tangled conversation with yourself i remember kitty was on a life support machine sorry to go back to this but i had a panic attack she was on a life support machine how crazy Mm. is that so i'm looking at her completely set what do you mean that's crazy no no no, but she is on a life support machine and i'm thinking i'm dying because i'm having a panic attack and it was all about that whole oh my god i've got to be responsible for that person and i can't cope with this it's also confusing isn't it it's fear it's the fear of loss it's grief it's the it's the out of control but the great thing is talking about this today that we have all together us three from our where we've started to where we are now have all 
had these experiences mm. of life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think more than us three, I think people generally have just them. people. Of course yeah. they do. I think. I think life's a bitch sometimes, th- right? Yes. yes, it can be the but, greatest. But what's brilliant? But how you deal with it? And it's, and it's talking about it I'm, because I'm loving that you're telling me this, and I know Tam has had some tough times. You know, we yeah. all have. And I'm sure we're going to talk like she really mm. has but to be able to talk about it with your mates and for people to be able to hear this and makes us all real you. I think then we travelled up to Manchester uh, to sit in the glorious surroundings of Jenny Powell's home with Denise Welsh and Angela Lonsdale they've been great friends and gave us an incredible episode 5 talking openly and articulately about everything from recovering from addiction and something I'm going to play you now Denise talking about how her friends have been the most incredible support as she lives with well, depression, clinical depression. Your poorly episodes, and when I say poorly episodes, that's that's how yeah. you describe um, your your depression. Yeah, the girls really get that. Absolutely, and they know absolutely. How to, they know how to work around you when you're like that. Absolutely, they 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 all they do is they know to check on me, and I'll say I'm not I'm not great. Um, and they know for me to come out of the borough when it's time for me to, to yeah. come out. And if I if I need them, they're a phone call away. But they also know that sometimes even talking on the phone is yeah, too yeah. much. But I luckily, I haven't had that. Like I just that. don't. I, I, I just I, can't talk. I can't talk. Come around and you I can't can talk to anybody. And I'll be like, it's okay. But also the film that you did, Black Eyed Susan, that I, oh, that I did. I remember the, 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 there was a scene where Denise was just quite, just howled in the car. There's no vocals. It was just like mm-hmm. an expression of how she felt. And I was, uh, I couldn't see the set. I just heard was it. in it with me. And I was just like, it just hit me in my gut. It made me feel sick. Well, that would be another was... time, really, when and Jen when came we, to watch the film it. at the Manchester Film yeah. Festival at the screening. Jen hadn't seen it. And obviously, Ange and I were both in it. Because I made, Black Eyed Susan is I a, made short a short film, film um, two years ago, which is a 15-minute drama, um, which is describing, which is a drama that you could look at it and think it's a teenager invading a home of a woman, but actually the teenager played by Louis, my youngest, is the depression. That's how so it manifests. He, he, your son plays your depression. He plays my depression. And it's a 15-minute drama. And I asked two of my, um, cl- well, my best friend, Ange, and Casey, Lons- Casey Ainsworth is in it also. And um, Jen had to play my friends in it, mm. in, yeah. in, in a couple of scenes. One scene, really, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. And Jen hadn't seen it before so she came with Ange and I to watch it and literally she leant over and just took both our hands and mm. said I just had no idea how much impact that would have on me because yeah. I, I I've seen you when you're poorly but I've never seen it you know no. to see it portrayed it was the same for me in a dramatic in it when when I came around and you showed me the edit in the study yeah and do you remember and I just was like I just sobbed I was just I shaking sobbed and I was heartbroken so we did a show about it didn't we yeah because you did the when, that's She's what's so brilliant about, about I thought Oh, I'll just pop it on. But I think that was what's so brave and brilliant about doing that is that you can't explain it. If you're not there and you're not in it, you can't explain to people, yet that film did explain it Mm. really well. Mm. And even as a best friend, I haven't been there when those curtains have been shut. Mm. And to watch that, and it was heartbreaking, but I was also hugely proud because you helped so many people, two of which my friends um, have mental health issues, and they've said that Denise has, and, has helped them massively with by talking about it. And, and I think you're a great advocate for that. And, well, and you I, are, you're and brilliant. Thank you. 
well, 30 years ago when I had Matty, which is when mine started, so mine started as postnatal depression, but whichever way it starts, it manifests in the same way, Yeah, is that it is such an isolating clinic. I always say, and it may sound cruel but or selfish, but I'd like everyone in the world to have clinical depression for 15 seconds and then for it to go and never return so that they'd see the difference, but just being like, oh, I'm depressed or I'm fed up, I'm, you know, and... I mean, even when my mum died, I didn't get my depression. I was emotionally traumatized like any daughter who loved their mum would be when their mum died. But I didn't get my depression. Depression depresses every single emotion. And it, you lose the ability to love or feel anything. And it's very, very, you know, people say it's sadness. It's not sadness. If you're depressed, you can't feel sadness. You can't feel love. You can't feel anything. Matty's song, She Lays Down which is, you know, I, I've brought up my children. I've done lots of bad things, but I've done some good things in bringing up my children to, um, you know, to value and support minorities and, and the LGBT community and to talk openly about mental health. And Matt wrote um, She Lays Down, which is the last song on his second album, about his memory of me telling him about my depression, which was that I, I used to pray, I'm not religious, but pray, beg, whatever, to... To, to, I used to lie down and pray that I could love my child because it robs you of that um, emotion. So, 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 so just to explain, uh, Matty is your son, Dan, and he is the lead singer in the 1975. Whenever I song, do talk actually. out about it, people, you know, I did an interview for the Sunday Independent in Ireland and I just somehow trusted this journalist um, not so long ago. It was meant to be about calendar girls, but ended up being about, about me and not being well. And I don't normally go, oh, here's an article I did, cause, but I did because it was about depression. And I've just, I was in tears really reading some of the responses that people had because they can relate to it. And 30 years ago when I, I didn't have anyone to relate to because well, no, no one, one, no one in the it. public eye was talking about it. And if I could have just had one person say, this is my life. I'm, I have a great life. I have two children. I have a moderately successful career. I have a great marriage. I have this and that. But I also live with clinical depression, which blindsides me and comes sometimes. But it's not all of whom I am. Mm -hmm. It would have given me hope in those dark days. I was lucky that I had a family that, that, that were there for me, but some people don't have that. No. Something I was so proud of uh, was the fact that so many of our guests talked about the fact that they have, at times in their lives, uh, decided to call upon professional help by way of therapy. And many, many years ago, I pushed myself to go back to college and study um, and qualified as a counsellor. And that involved for me years and years and years of having to be in therapy to better understand and learn about myself, which is something I absolutely encourage all of my friends to do and I'm only able really to do that because there was one friend that set me on that path and that road and that is my wing woman Tamsin Althwaite because because I'm I, I've done lots of therapy in my 20s yeah, and 30s yeah. 30s as well but now in my 40s you I can kind cope of feel like I've done a lot of therapy mm, yeah I've paid for an awful lot of people to sit there and listen to mm. me talking about my stuff mm. and now I'm in my 40s it's my responsibility mm. to look after it all and to make sure my kids are not yeah. affected by my moods, affected by my grief. And but, but Tam, what I will say is you're somebody, and I've learned this from you massively, from, you know, we, we met in our 20s. Yeah. You did work on yourself, right? When, when you hit a fault line, you went, I'm going to look at this and I'm going to better understand myself. So you're talking about the therapy that you had in your 20s and 30s. Yeah. The reason you are so solid is because you have built the most incredible foundations for yourself at a time when people 
weren't getting therapy, certainly didn't talk about it. No. And I will say, I'd like to say thank you to your therapists from your 20s and 30s, because <laughs> when, I slide, when I was sliding down walls and I couldn't think about how I was going to get through the next day and go on air and pretend everything was fine yeah, and slip the that. engagement ring back on and, and make believe, you yeah. know, that everything was mm. okay. Yeah. I phoned Tam mm. and she always had the mm. right words to put in my ear and I could breathe again and you were my therapist oh, and actually mm. when I wore you out I then went and got a therapist but that's the brilliant thing Did about you? friendships yeah, I thought I can't do that this to her anymore wear me out well I, I felt that I needed to yeah. and find actually, someone neutral yeah. And, yeah totally and because you were sharing these pearls of wisdom I thought I need to go and find my own pearls yeah, and I, and yeah, I did yeah, and, yeah. and it was the remaking of me So lesson number two, that has to be that even people that you and I might regard as utterly positively beautiful have body hang-ups. We are all racked with our own insecurities. And I think our conversations over series one proved out that we really need to be kinder to ourselves. We need to give ourselves a break and sometimes a stern talking to when it comes to getting over those insecurities. And no one is more guilty of that than the gorgeous Heidi Range, who in all of the years I've known her has been on a constant quest to lose at least half a stone. Why? I don't know. Because in my eyes, she's just perfect as she is. I, I just think I find it terrifying, especially having a daughter. Mm. I, yes. I, I just really hope. I don't want her to ever think about what her body looks like because it's not important. It's not. It's it, not. That's, like, I get what you're saying. Us. I'm cross well, with I myself. Say, but... I've never been body confident and I've been so many different sizes. And even when I've been tiny and looked back on and looked amazing, I remember feeling self-conscious. Yeah. I've, I've just never been comfortable. I've never been one of those girls who feels good walking walk around in a bikini. Never. My husband came into my wardrobe the other day and I didn't know he was going to walk in and I'm like bent over like moisturising my legs under them cellulite lights you know spotlight <laughs> and he, he opened the door and I just went ape I was like what are you doing get out get out but they don't and care the boys and, and he was like don't look and he was like you're my wife of course I'm going to look at you what's wrong with you you're beautiful mm. but like I was mortified mm. then really we have to for, for our daughters to feel like that we have to feel like that feel yeah. like that yeah. I, I kind of put my my mum's overweight and she's always been overweight she's always been like obese overweight so in our house when I was growing up what you look like as long as you weren't 22 stone then, right. then you're all right so there was never and there was my mum didn't wear makeup you know she she wore flat shoes didn't wear heels image and what you look like just wasn't or size at least wasn't important yeah, yeah. the color of my skin was a little bit of an issue just because of where we lived but the size of my body just never ever came into it and i do feel that I, that I took that with me for years yeah. and years and years and years, and I think because I was I've never but also, been blonde. Don't you find it I've some never days. been thin. I've never been to me. I've never had to compete on that level. Mm. I've always been other. I think but, we have to we have to go walk around whether we believe it or not, yeah. so yeah. that our daughters exactly yeah. see that yeah. it's not. I, I would hate Aurelia to feel how I felt. At times. Yeah. At times, yeah. I would really hate that. Yeah. yeah. And this, really of course, works in reverse. What if you are, for example, an Olympic athlete? 
with a body that is honed to athletic perfection. You would imagine that somebody that walks around in that skin would feel really good and strong and proud of the skin that they're in. But as we discovered in episode nine with Olympic skier Chemi Alcott and Olympic speed skater Sarah Lindsay, again, that just isn't the case. Um, For me, actually, going into alpine skiing, I I remember going to my first race and and I I cared about how I looked. And I went to this World Cup and it was my first one. I'm really excited. And it was amazing how unconfident the girls were in themselves. So they all carried themselves with the mannerisms of a guy and, you know, cut their hair off short and walked like a dude because they thought that's how they had to be to perform well at speed. So we're going 80 miles an hour and they thought, right, this is a male-dominated sport. This is how I have to act. And they changed how they were. And I was thinking, this is wrong. You know, you can be fast and female. And it happened to be an era where Lindsay Vonn, who's one of the biggest names in our sport, beautiful woman, had the confidence to be the best and to wake up in the morning and put eyeliner on and address her femininity in a positive way. So it was really strong that we came forward and went, you know what, actually you know, be confident in who you are as a woman because it doesn't dictate how fast you can ski from A to B. Well, I was totally guilty of exactly what you're talking about and I kind of wish that we had uh, role models more like that in my sport because we were 20... 20 guys on my team, three girls, um, you know, wow. <laughs> men, all the, the coaches were men, the management were, were guys. And I always wanted, I just wear baggy clothes and just try and, you know. Sort to be asexual. Of, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. you're in a changing room with a bunch of a bunch of guys at the end of the day. So, so yeah, I was guilty of that exact thing. And it wasn't until really? after I finished, I didn't, you know, barely wear makeup. Or if you if you even wear jeans to the ice rink, because you just wear sort of baggy trousers and, you know, a football shirt sort of thing. Um, and, or always wore your team kit. And then, yeah, afterwards, then all of a sudden, and I was embarrassed by being muscular as well. So then after we finished and all of a sudden muscle was celebrated in the industry of fitness. Um, and it's quite a glamorous industry as well. And then having to sort of start wearing makeup and brushing my hair for the first time in 20 years. <laughs> so can, I, can yeah. I ask, is that something that you felt you had to do? to conform and fit in or was it something that you were made to feel you had to do was that you putting that pressure on yourself oh no I did that I did that to myself for sure um I think one you don't for episode four I was joined by three of the four All Saints Melanie Blatt Shazne Lewis and Nicole Appleton and we were ruminating over what we'd say to ourselves if we had to give our our younger selves a call for 20 seconds what advice would we impart and the one thing that came out of it was Oh, just celebrate the body that you used to have. Because by the time you get to to this age, and I'm 46 now, I mean, it's all right. But in a bikini, let's be honest, in a harsh light, I look like I could do with a little iron thing. Can I just interrupt? I wish I just said to myself, enjoy your body in your 20s. Oh, my God. Uh, Wear skirts. Wear skirts. Enjoy your body in your 20s. Because I just think, God, what was wrong with us? We we just covered ourselves up all the time. Not saying that we should have gone out and done it, but even when I'd go to the swimming pool or something like that, if I was on the beach, I would literally slide off the chair into the pool like a slink. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't stand up anywhere. I would hate to walk around. I'd have to cover myself up just to walk around. But you, you have always had and still yeah. have. Yeah, but I don't yeah. I mean, body, well, no, but I, I, I was just upset with myself that I wasted my 20-year-old yeah. body. Yeah. <laughs> and all that negative energy that you expended on something that was really unimportant, like the exactly. most important part of your, your body has to be your brain, surely. Yeah. And we never give too much time thinking, you know, or oh, is my brain in good working order? My brain yeah. is really fit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so but it's true, right? But yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I think be kinder to yourself, certainly yeah. about the way you look. Exactly. Yeah, wear that bikini. Wear that bikini. Burn that caftan. <laughs> <laughs>
And lesson number one, and this is the biggie for me, and I'm hosting this show and, and, and putting together this incredible crew of people has taught me something that I've always known, but it's always worth reiterating. There is nothing that you can't achieve or overcome if you have an amazing crew, squad, group of friends around you that love and support you unconditionally, no matter what. Here's Mylene Class in episode two, uh, talking about the girlfriends who made sure that they were there to catch her every time she felt she was about to fall in the midst of a very difficult separation. Oh, I can't get past my mic. (laughs) Do a really strong Italian hug, Tam. She's got a loo roll. (laughs) Oh, darling, are you okay? Yeah, I just think... I think it's quite overwhelming that... Which one are we talking about? So... Lauren, yeah, come to the I house. Yeah, in the middle of the Sev night. did the same thing. Yeah, like four a.m. At four a.m. So you had a four a.m. Which is I didn't have just a four a.m. once. I had a four a.m. It's like a four a.m. every night. Park. I was doing breakfast TV, and I got out of the car. The guy opened the door. And I just I just took a breath because I thought I can't get out of the car. It's like I was right in the middle of divorce. I was trying to get my kids to be balanced. I was trying to breathe. Finances were spiralling because you're just thinking, I'm going to lose everything. You're so frightened. The humiliation. You've got people looking at you, blaming you without a clue what the fuck is going on. Yeah. And she got up. She'd got up. She set her alarm at 3am to meet me in a car park just to open the door. No, this is Sev. Lauren came round to my house. So Sev is is your manager and your friend. But my best friend, yeah. Lauren, my best friend. Um, do you know what I say? Best friend. It's like, how do you give everybody that? Because no, they're, yeah. they're all just but amazing. They were. Lauren's they were. husband came round. Lauren's husband came round and fixed my fence. And I did the same thing. I stood there crying because I was so embarrassed. Um, yeah, but you have to learn to accept we all that did help. That, isn't it terrible to be? We all did that. Isn't it awful that we feel embarrassed? Because I think I've never you know. shown. I don't know if it's to, even to myself. I think I don't want to be vulnerable because then I have to admit. Actually, but that's what's that's what's so lovable about it's us. So I mean, no, but it's vulnerable. true. But that's what that you allow yourself to do. But this vulnerability is such a beautiful human foible. How many girlfriends would set their alarm clock at three a.m. to meet you in a car park? Well, I would. It, we would. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, that's when you go. Oh, I can do this yeah. with the help and strength. Well, it's like of them. you almost raise an army, and you, and you do. think, oh, actually, I'm going to I'm going to march at the back for a little bit, if that's okay. Yeah, and what they and they do just carry is go on the front line for yeah. a bit. They yeah. go on your front line for a bit, and then yeah. you just put a face on for a bit. In episode six, I was joined it, by Carol McGiffin and Lisa Maxwell, two of my uh, very good friends, who I met when we all worked together on Loose Women. Now that show really really accelerated our friendships. We were a group of women put together who learned to share so much because of the nature of the show. And through that process, we became really, really close through some truly difficult times. I, for one, was going through a terrible breakup, uh, becoming a single mother when I was working on the show. And these girls would literally scrape me off the floor and peel me off the walls some days. Um, And there was no greater carer in that group than a woman we had to ultimately... um, say goodbye to and that was Linda Bellingham Linda struggled um, with cancer for a very long time she was so dogged and determined in her fight against it but there came a day when we knew um, that that we would have to say goodbye to Linda Um, so we did it 
in true loose women's style, we painted on a big smile. We packed up our cars. We drove over to Linda's and we spent an afternoon with her that I will never forget. I wearing a wig. I thought that was yeah. a tough day for you particularly. I mean, we, we all went to see Linda Bellingham, who was a cast member and a friend, but friend first and foremost. Mm. Lovely Lovely we, we knew we were saying goodbye to Kurt. Because she day. didn't know. Yeah, we knew that. We yeah. all knew that was yeah. the last time that Linda that we would spend time with Linda. Yeah. She she was really poorly, and you she was also amazing, had cancer at the time. Yeah, quite mm. quite far in, and she didn't know. Mm. So I thought, well, and everyone, we all agreed. We had a chat about it before, didn't we? We said, yeah. no, let's not tell her. Yeah. We don't want her to get any more upset, upset, and you know, and burden her with any more worry because she will worry about other people way before she worries about herself. That was her nature. And so we thought, right, we won't tell her. But I don't know, something, something came up, and someone said, right, well, I she think was we also just in tell a her. really good place when we met her. Weirdly, she, she had was a great on time. She so was much fully form. accepting. She was smoking and smoking. She had a massive Jeroboam of champagne ready yeah. for everybody, and so said, yeah. "Come yeah. on, we're going to have a good time." To give some context, to it so Linda hadn't drunk for years, really, had she? No. So when we used to rock into work on Loose Women with yeah. with a variety of hangovers, she became the booze police. She was the booze police, yeah. and she's like, "Oh, smoking is disgusting. I used to smoke; it's terrible." And then towards her final days, she started drinking again well, we were no, sat around the kitchen diagnosed. table smoking yeah. after she was diagnosed she did, she went back to drinking and, and I don't blame her and that day I, I'll never forget that day no, we had either. the most wonderful afternoon talking laughing it was brilliant it was a brilliant yeah. afternoon it really it was brilliant was. and sad and we did tell her that afternoon that you were yeah cancer. we did we did and she went oh fucking hell not you at all <laughs> Across the series, we've touched on probably every episode, the importance of friendship. And that's what this podcast is about. It's about celebrating uh, the friends that become almost family to you because they, they're just there. They're there for everything, for the good times, the bad times and how important they are. And this for me uh, is Tamsin and Julie uh, summing up just how important and how beautiful female friendship can be. Women's women create women that are women's women 100% oh, yeah. yeah and yeah, if, I, if, I could, if I could ask anything for my daughters that's what they would be I, and they will be I know they will be but yeah. you know just yeah to be a woman's will. woman and to have lots yeah, but I agree I agree with you I think that you know to have three or four really close friends yeah. is a is an absolute achievement this this summer you you lost your mum and yeah we all you know, knew that you weren't I mean, the right. You were you were not to be overly bothered. So we did a thing of all speaking to each other. I Is know. Tam all right? Yeah. And mm. then I would maybe speak to you and report back. And yeah. we all respect that. And it's that. And that. Is and then thing afterwards, that, you find out. That like Amanda and people are you're all oh, yeah. speaking and is she is she actually okay and yeah. is there anything I can do and yeah there is this whole yeah. kind of network it's like lace that sits around you. Your friendship yes. is like a lovely lace. And actually, in those moments... Or a really efficient tube. Or a really efficient tube. Mm. And that's just making me really Do you know what? I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm getting emotional. Give her so a hug. True. It's so true. It is, though. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's, it's phenomenal. And, oh, my God, you're all crying. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Dry your eyes. It's not all been tears. There have been a whole bag of lols, Hoots, belly laughs, 
Uh, in fact, I'm going to come to some of your, your listener feedback later, but we've embarrassed a lot of you in some very public spaces with some of the confessions that have come out across this series. Uh, so I'm going to kick off with some of the stories that I think are the funniest, the gems from season one, and we're going to do it in uh, a true friend's style So kicking off, this is the one where Joe Swash admits that Pauline Fowler referred to him for two years as an annoying ginger bastard. Um, but no, it was a really surreal place turning up on the first day. And I remember sitting on, I, I loved her. I loved her so much. Um, uh, Wendy Richards, mm. and who played Pauline. So she had her own little seat in the green room. And I never knew this. So I'd sit down and sit in her seat. <laughs> and she'd walk in and just stare at me. And she'd be like, out of my seat. And I'd get out of the seat for the first year. I heard her saying to someone, oh, that little ginger bastard really gets the money. <laughs> like, she really... She really didn't like me. But then <laughs> but then after about two years, mate, she loved me. I, but I think oh, I love this one. So uh, you had to know Heidi's nanny V to understand just how much this moment would have meant to her. She spent her life glued to Oprah Winfrey's show. She knew the songs that she sang. She remembered guests. She was an Oprah anorak. And then Heidi was invited to perform um, at Nelson Mandela's 90th birthday. She had one plus one, and she knew that Oprah was going to be there. There was only one person she was ever going to take, Nanny V. This is what happened when Nanny V met Oprah. Um, and I remember being sat on the table um, with Gordon Ramsay and and we were chatting and I said, oh, I said, my nan just like absolutely loves Oprah, but I, I, you're not allowed to go and say anything. And he went, just go. And so I just went over to Oprah and I said, I said, my, you know, this Scouse kid, I'm like, my nan really loves you and she watches you every day. And, and oh, she said, she's here. Like and, and, and Oprah said, just go and get it. And I just remember sprinting across this yes. tent going, nan! <laughs> <laughs> and, and we went over and as my nan met her, they started singing this song together that Oprah must have sang on a, on a show. And... Um, and they were singing this this hymn together. And then I got a photo and like everyone in Liverpool saw this photo. You know, <laughs> oh it was my goodness. pride and joy. Um, this yeah, is the one you know, where Carol McGiffin, and let's just take a moment to remember who Carol is. She's feisty. She's fierce. Nothing, I would say, seemingly seems to scare her. I saw Carol go through treatment for cancer and just deal with it. She is fearless. Except it turns out she's not. Not when she's starring in Panto and has to sing. The last time I felt, I mean, proper terror. Terror in the fact that I couldn't stop my body from shaking with fear was when I did the Panto. What? <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Shut up. I've what? never... <laughs> Do you know, I was diagnosed with cancer. I was diagnosed, and I, hope I, was, I was told I got a terrible operation and everything. And I wasn't like, I was like, oh, well, you know, just like my mum said, just get on with it. Yeah. And that, that's five Hold on a minute. Yeah. Hold on a minute. You did Panto last Christmas, right? You've been... No, no, oh, I didn't. Before, no, no, 2013. But... She hated it, didn't you? You've been through chemotherapy, radiotherapy. None of it scared me at all. None of it scared me. I wasn't scared at all. I never felt the fear. I never felt the fear. It wasn't fear. But did you have to Panto, sing? Did you have to sing in it? Yeah. 
Oh, now I understand. Fear. Well, I feel sorry for the You're audience. How scared were they? Oh, oh. This is the one where Denise Welsh relives the moment she gatecrashed Tiny Temper's party to the horror of her megastar son. did. But only recently, Matty, my eldest, said to me, um, Mum, you seem to forget about the in-between bit. He said, don't you remember when you walked in, um, when you walked in slurring into Tiny Temper's birthday party with all your entourage <laughs> and me and George were there? I have no recollection, but Matty was at Bungalow 8, at a Tiny Temper's birthday party, when I apparently walked in and horrified George, who's the drummer in the band, went... Don't look now, but your mother's just walked in. <laughs> oh, you don't want to hear that, do you? No. I mean, I'm laughing now. God help us. Anyway. <laughs> and last but not least, this is the one where Angela Griffin shows everyone her boobs. Do you remember when I was at your party? Yeah. And um, at the Christmas party, and I think it was Proud Mary Tina Turner, <gasps> and I had my special outfit on, yeah. which was lovely gold beautiful French Connection outfit and I do a bit of a Tina Turner impression when I've had a couple of sherries and at one point when I did the da-da going down and the da-da coming back up me boobs were out I don't really notice we were all at the top I noticed I think at least 50% of the room noticed when you say out how out oh I mean like me tech Crispy, did you notice that? Did you notice uh, that? Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> you did. Someone how do, did. I, how do I not my... know this story? Oh my God, it was absolutely I, I, I know everything about you. He came up from a head down. Head down. down. Head down. Head down. Went there? like that, and my boobs had popped over. <laughs> this gold, kind of lame French Connection 70s outfit. What, over the top? Yeah, All out they were the just middle. out. They were <laughs> just out in Amanda Holden's living room. <laughs> Oh, come on, Chris. Were oh, they? That was part of the act. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
stay with us. I'm topping up my really exciting coffee uh, because we are about to dive into some listener mail. Here goes. So the number one thing that we hear and we love to hear is how you have all had to stifle a laugh uh, whilst listening, namely on public transport. Amongst our victims, um, Ali Bowen and Shelley from Twitter, Nikki Hasley and Jean, who Jean says she was, quote, choking into my scarf on the bus, laughing so hard. And yet last night I was sat in bed listening to these shows, crying my eyes out. So the fact that we can incite a tear and make you choke into your scarf with laughter. I love that. I love that. That's what friendship conversations are all about. We also love hearing about the different places that you listen to the podcast. So Emma Pate listens while she's walking home from school. Leanne Evans listens at her desk. I don't know quite how you get away with that, but well done you. Uh, Herdy76 took us on a 10-mile run. It's longer than I've ever run myself. Well done. Thank you. Kelly listens whilst walking a dog and gets strange look while she quotes howls with laughter. Uh, meanwhile, Sally Dutton messaged us on Twitter to say she couldn't get out of a car because the last episode wasn't done and therefore neither was she and then there are the messages from people that um, I'm not going to name because they were sent to me as direct messages but who truly just make it feel all worthwhile so um, this this person, this lady got in touch to say I just wanted to thank you for work one question time I have been riddled with anxiety for so long after being stalked and have told myself that I just have to deal with it but after listening to you all I'm going to do it I'm going to ring the doctor tomorrow and get a little bit of help let's hope that I'll be anxiety free one day and I did follow up with this lady and she did make the appointment and I'm so pleased Rachel UK messages to say how the podcast was making her feel less homesick while she's uh, working over in the States. And Power Pants Mama said we reminded her to feel grateful for the amazing women in her life. Honourable mentions go to Ian Horriban, who emailed us to say not only did he enjoy it, but he would be recommending it to his wife. Thank you and hi, Mrs Horriban. We hope you're still listening. And finally, the answer to the question you've all wanted to know, yes, one person did actually win or try to win, um, the lemon meringue pie that Keith Lemon possibly licked during his episode. Uh, we've boxed it up, and Julie Durney, send us your address, and you can get a salivated, crunchy, slightly stale lemon meringue pie. Feel free to try and sell it on eBay. In season two, we're going to be bringing you even more well-known guests. In fact, we've got some crackers lined up. I can't wait for you to hear them. And if you'd like to put some questions to our guests please be my guest. You can tweet them at whitewineqt. You can email us whitewinequestiontime at yahoo.com or send me a DM. I am the Kate Thornton on Instagram. Would love to hear from you. Uh, before we go, I'm going to leave you with this cat call. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the world and back again. What was the advice your mum gave you that you never took? <laughs> they're the complete opposite. Yeah, I my didn't nanny. Oh, are oh, you? Yeah. My, my nan had three kids at like twenty. Yeah, and she, she was, got married at sixteen. We clashed terrible. My mum, my me, me and my mum's relationship is 
really got better as we've got older. But when I was younger, like we clashed. Terrible. It's because you was a daddy's girl as well. Yeah, I was very for my dad. Like I wanted to be. A Listen, if you're going out with about eight different blokes a week as well, I can understand why she might have had an issue with you. <laughs> she did. She's very old-fashioned. Yeah, my nan. because my mum like was married and she couldn't understand it. She thought I was just a wild child. Like she didn't. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Children, could you stop calling me a whore? That's <laughs> <laughs> a very you White Wine Question Time is produced by me, Kate Thornton, along with the incredible team of people at Yahoo UK. That's uk.yahoo.com. And featuring music by the incredible Andy Bell. Of course, much wine was consumed during the making of this programme for your entertainment. However, I can't say it enough. Please drink responsibly. 